0: And uh, I sense in this meeting uh, a very intense outreach, and also I feel that the Lord wants to help us, and there is absolutely no way to be too careful. You cannot touch each other without touching God. And if you want to know how you feel about the Lord, just reminisce for a moment and see how you feel about each other. Because we represent the physical counterpart of deity. I cannot... Honor God any more than I honor you. And if there's one thing taught in this Bible, it is me, for me, and for you to love as He loved. And whatever we do without that principle, we're nothing. You can have all the wisdom, understand all mysteries, exercise yourself in all philanthropy, give your body to be burned, but if we don't have love, it profit us nothing. So I wish somehow that I could tell you how much you mean to God tonight. There's no way for us to ever realize in the uh, frame of intelligence that we have what we mean to God We are not without worth. Everything hinges on our ability to relate to him and his will. And he loved us so much that he shared that will with us then it will be left up to you and me what we do with that will. That's the free moral agency. That is the particular individual sovereignty that rests or resides or tabernacles in the life of humanity. So this that I'm going to try to do to you tonight is more of a lecture than it is trying to preach to you, although on the end of it maybe I will... uh, to preach a little bit but uh, and I've been requested to do this so I'm doing what I've been asked to do and I would ask all of you right now would we just pray together and ask the Lord to help us shall we dear Lord in Jesus name be with us tonight <clears throat> may your spirit Lead us, O God, we, Lord, are unworthy but we're not without worth. And may you guide us tonight, may you lead us tonight, may you instruct us tonight. Take away the arrogancy of our flesh, the haughtiness of the flesh the vanity of this life stripped from us we pray all of the things that we would depend on other than the power of the Holy Spirit we are your people we do need you we cannot really say how much we need you we don't know enough to know how much we need you but with what we know we know we need you So be with us here tonight, in Jesus' name, amen. Now while you stand, let me read, uh, beginning with verse uh, 19, in the 11th chapter of the book of Acts. This particular uh, thing I'm going to try to do for you tonight was born out of the quest endeavor and uh, the commission had asked me to do this and uh, i didn't know what i was going to do when they asked me to do it but this is what i came up with and this is what i'm going to try to share with you tonight now they who were scattered abroad among the persecution that arose about stephen traveled as far as phoenicia Cyprus Antioch preaching the word to none but unto Jews only please notice that phrase and some of them were men of Cyprus and Cyrene who when they were come to Antioch spoken to the Greeks preaching the Lord Jesus and the hand of the Lord was with them and a great number believed Unto the Lord. Then tidings of these things came into the ears of the church which was in Jerusalem, and they sent forth Barnabas that he should go as far as Antioch. Who, when he came and had seen the grace of God, was glad and exhorted them all that with purpose of heart they would cling unto the Lord. <coughs> For he was a righteous man, and full of the Holy Spirit, and a faith, and many people were added unto the Lord. Then departed Barnabas to Tarsus to seek Saul, and when he had found him, brought him into Antioch, and it came to pass that for a whole year they assembled themselves with the church and taught many people and the disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. Thank you and you may be seated. Now I appreciate uh, what I have heard and I am enjoying what I'm hearing and I thank the Lord for it if I may do a little resume here brother sabin talked about the upward look brother tinney about the horizontal look brother stevens the global look and tonight i want to talk about the inward look i want to, i want to be introspective in this message that I'm going to try to bring to you, and as you have seen on the program, this present church within the forming of any organization is the seed of its own destruction. Tradition can be a help or a hindrance all depending on how scriptural it may or may not be. Tradition consists of man-made laws unapproved by the Lord with no scriptural base. The religious community was the most violent opposition that sought to hinder the ministry of Christ. The pharisaical approach with which Jesus contended with was a very zealous, moral, self-denying, and last but not least, self-righteous group. And here is the tribute that the Lord gave to them. Thus have ye made the commandment of men of God of no effect by your tradition. Phariseeism in its origin started out as a supportive cause to try to keep the law of Moses active, energized in the minds of the Jewish nation coming from Babylonian captivity. But like any man made situation it degenerated the temple had a real religious racket going they had uh, birds they had animals there for the people to sacrifice and some poor sacrificer would come and they would uh, want to give this sacrifice but the cunning crafty subtle premeditated hypocritical in-depth Pharisee would always find something wrong with what they had to offer. And they would say, but I have one right here for an X number of shekels. And they were netting about $30,000 a year split three ways, $10,000 a year, 1900 years ago, with some pretty good money. It remains to be seen how many dirty, hideous, hypocritical things can hide behind religious camouflage. Do you know the last two or three wars that we fought started over religion? The Pharisees took their hygienic law and condemned the apostles for eating with unwashed hands. And the same people who did that would confiscate and cheat some widow woman or some poor individual out of their property and stuff it in their front pockets. As best I can find out, and this doesn't mean that it, this is a final authority when I say that, all Phariseeism that I can find in this Bible comes out of a guilt complex. Adam and Eve never hid until. They were guilty, and when they were guilty, they made them some skirts. A sign of guilt in the human heart are the human inventions and engineering that we come up with to hide ourselves from other people make them think that we are all right. That kind of an attitude is very judgmental, it's very dogmatic, it's very carnal, it is oftentimes deeply sensual, and has absolutely none of the love of God in it. A son could dishonor his father and his mother and give a gift to the priest and live on. But the law of Moses said he should die. Oftentimes, change is painful. It creates insecurity as it breaks habit and ritual. This is uncomfortable. Uncomfortable. We often fear what we are unaccustomed to when anything happens religiously we examine it if it does not fit our tradition we will do one of two things believe it and accept it or reject it and count it heresy but when Jesus came on the scene He tore up their little religious playhouse. Revival always tears up our playhouse. And there's a lot of people that don't want revival because they don't want to change. They like what they've got. And they want to keep it because they know how to control it. And they know it like a rat knows a maze. But revival does things to people. It upsets tradition. It upsets people. When Jesus came and began to preach and to teach, the religious community that was the most pronounced in his day got mad, aggravated, upset, and disgusted, and they tried every way in the world to discredit what he was doing. If the move of God is the move of God, it will run contrary to human nature. The Lord doesn't have to satisfy our little whims and whines. but we oftentimes try to get him to support them. Now notice here in Acts 1 and 2, I'm going to meddle tonight. In the 11th verse of the 11th chapter of Acts, and verse 12, uh, notice what happens. Uh, revival opens up new frontiers. It sometimes spoils tradition. They that were of the circumcision contended with him. That is Peter. Now, here are people with the Holy Spirit contending with Peter about going down and preaching to a bunch of Gentiles. They thought, as usual, that this grace of God would be confined to the borders that Judaism had been confined to. They did not anticipate anybody outside of their clan ever finding this. They said, we want to know why you went down there to the household of those uncircumcised. Now mind you, they had the Holy Spirit. If you and me... Think that God is confined to us. Well, we all need to put our head in a sack. You don't fence God in. You just try. Now here they are with the Holy Spirit saying, Oh well, we couldn't make that mistake. Oh yeah, I've heard the wind blow before they made it why couldn't we make it oh it's getting quiet Peter reviewed the whole thing what may appear to not be God may be God may be the work of God and the Holy Spirit You see, Peter didn't think that the sheet was God. Because he just stood right up, as bold as he could ever be, and he said, Oh no, Lord, nothing unclean's ever entered my mouth. (laughs) Yeah, it's going yeah, it's getting quiet. I love it that way. It doesn't bother me an ounce. (laughs) So he explained in Joppa while in prayer he said I had a vision. He says I saw in this vision four footed beast, I'm assuming there was a hog involved. (laughs) Wild beast. Fill in the blank. Creeping things, another blank to fill in. And fowls of the air. What was Happening to Peter in his Pharisee rearing, the Spirit was trying to tell him that this salvation that he had and the little sermon that he preached at Pentecost was for everybody. But he didn't want it to be for everybody. Now, you can just say what you please. He didn't want it that way. None of those Jew boys want it that way. They don't want us Gentiles horning in on anything. And I hope nobody's offended by that statement. But anyhow, what the Lord was really saying to this fisherman all of God's creation was accepted and when he cleansed it it was no longer uh, unclean but it was approved the Lord can pour out the Holy Spirit wherever he decides to do it and he won't have to call us up long distance in the vision Peter was commanded to arise slay and eat now you listen not so Lord nothing common or unclean at any time has entered my mouth <clears throat> the Lord said what God hath cleansed that." Call not thou common. Because he had set his judgment on it. He was not sensing what the Spirit is saying. I am saying today there is a universal move of God globally. There there is revival breaking out around this world. And we may be surprised before he comes and gets us out of here of how many things will break out and how many things will happen and how God will work. He's got a lot of ways of doing things that you and I know absolutely nothing about tonight. He can do what he wishes to do. His sovereignty will allow him to act independently in any area or any circumstance that he would so choose. So, the Spirit, what is the Spirit saying to us in this hour? Do we realize what direction the Spirit is moving today? This happened to Peter three times with the Holy Spirit, baptized in Jesus' name, and talked in tongues. But now let's notice. In Acts 11 and 11 and 12 again, the Spirit bade me go with them, nothing doubting. Six brethren accompanied him. It's a good thing they did. He may have never had another excursion. This was the man to whom the Lord had given the keys to the kingdom of heaven. This should make us to know that office and position do not always keep us spiritually alert. Acts 10, 17 to 21 says, Now while Peter was perplexed, what the vision which he had seen should mean. Behold, the men who were sent from Cornelius had made inquiry at Simon's house and stood before the gate and called and asked whether Simon, who was surnamed Peter, was lodged there. While Peter thought on the vision, The Spirit said unto him, Behold, three men seek thee. Arise, therefore, get thee down, go with them, doubting nothing, for I have sent them. Then Peter went down to the men who were sent unto him from Cornelius, and said, Behold, I am he whom ye seek. What is the cause for which you are come? All right, let's note further. What was Cornelius' reaction to the vision he had seen? Let's see what the other side of the coin looks like. He was an officer in the Roman army. He was a devout man, one that feared God with all of his house, prayed to God always. He was not Jewish nor Pentecostal, who gave much alms to the people. And the scripture reports, God there was a good report uh, among all the nations of the Jews without the Holy Spirit, without God, without any truth whatsoever as per what he needed to hear. Here is a man completely outside praying a prayer, fasting, seeking God. But he had some tremendous character qualities that would work beautifully among us. He was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? The angel said, Thy prayers and thine alms are come up for a memorial before God. Do you mean to tell me that a person without God, a person without the knowledge of the one true God, a person that doesn't know anything about the truth can pray until his prayer life builds a memorial and in his sincerity and in his devoutness and in his dedication... There must be some reaction. There must be some response on the part of God. Though there was not an evangelist that ever entered his city. It wasn't all that far from Jerusalem. But do you think for one five minutes that anybody would come to Caesarea and conduct a revival meeting. Jesus would not have written Sodom and Gomorrah off. Abraham stopped at 10. I can prove to you that you could have had a revival in Sodom and Gomorrah by what Jesus said. He said, if the mighty works that I have done would have been done in Sodom, it would have remained until today. It was not an irredeemable situation, but we didn't have an intercessor that had enough fervor to go below 10. A lot of our battles are lost because we don't have the religious tenacity to hold on. We are locked in a lot of traditional thinking that we need to break out of. God can do no more than I will permit him to do in my own life. He never intended for the church to be sterile he never intended for the church to be barren he never intended for it to fail don't you ever doubt but one five seconds that the church of Jesus Christ will fail friend this thing is headed for victory and it's headed up we may not be in it but he'll have somebody in it He will never put what he's put in this and lose the ball game at this stage of the game. Never on your life. I represent a victorious God. You represent a successful church. And everything that the church needs, it has. It's just a matter of us utilizing the utensils that we have within the confines of the body of Christ we need to drop the little old religious idiosyncrasies that we may be hung up on in some areas and have revival and preach the gospel and believe now notice this The Lord's angel visited him. But when a Jewish believer visited him, they contended with him about it. Angels can visit people outside of our confines nothing is said. But some of us make visits and there is contention about it. But it's all right for an angel to speak to a man. But tradition said... Don't dare go down there, Peter. And this thing was so contentious until they called a church meeting and had the apostles with the keys on the carpet. Do you see what I'm driving at? Why was Peter contended with tradition? These are little incarcerated ideas that would oppose the moving of the Holy Spirit, if allowed. Did you know, or do we know, that God is capable of putting on a little spiritual demonstration that all of us could miss it? We can live always to be a fool. God is not bound to any little framework that we may set up. He is capable of breaking out if he can't get Us to do what he wants us to do he knows exactly he's got so much talent in that field that he can set us aside and never look back at us you say but we've got the name did the Jews have the name they say we got the Bible did they have the Bible he wanted to make Jerusalem the religious Capital of evangelism of the world, but do you think they could get out from under the law of Moses long enough to include a heathen in it? They said no and when they it got so hot in Jerusalem until they went to Antioch the little city in Syria north of that uh, They wouldn't testify to anybody but Jews And they had the Holy Spirit, my dear. And they had Jesus' name, baptism. And they had the truth. But they were locked in with a little old religious setup and a bleed-through from the law of Moses. Whatever we've got about us, we need to break loose from it. Don't let anybody kid you. We're not getting the job done like we ought to get the job done don't talk to me about what all we are doing we're not scratching the surface God wants to take this truth and you hear me he's going to take it if he has to push us aside and find somebody that will be fearless enough to put themselves into it let us not be satisfied with just one outpouring of the Holy Spirit We need to pray for uh, the whole city. Every Jesus named church in Little Rock ought to ask for this city. Don't ask for just a few hundred. Ask for the city. Don't pray if it's God's will. What do you mean, you little religious simpleton? He died to save the world. And then us make out like, is it the Lord's will? Is it the Lord's will? Where have you been all your life? Sure, it's God's will to save this city. Sure, it's God's will to pour out a revival that would shake every religious tradition and break every traditional chain and let society find out about the love of God and the Holy Spirit. I contend and I'm praying that we will be able to baptize whole churches in Jesus name and them get the Holy Spirit if we won't be afraid well has it ever occurred to any of us that we don't own this blessing and that you can't fence it in and none of us ever added one smithin to God not one smidgen did we add when he got a hold of all of us heathens that's just a bigger job for him but he loved every last one of us but I'm trying to say to you tonight let us believe God to the point that we don't build fences so high that we can't even get over them Now, I'm going to say this, and I don't know whether you're going to like it or not. But I'm going to say it and see what you do. We could very easily build us a Talmud and get so tied up in procedure Until we would forget about purpose. I can't help it because I see that. We don't only need a revival in Houston, but we need a revival on the North American continent. What's wrong with us having an earth-shaking, hell-scaring, eruptive move of God in this North American continent? We've got the people, we've got the money, we've got the message, and we've got a God that wants to help us. Why can't we get together and believe God? Pleases the Lord to send an earth-shaking event among us Now let's notice Cornelius was instructed to send the Joppa Call for Simon Peter He's staying with Simon the Tanner by the seaside. He shall tell thee what thou oughtest to do. Isn't it something that we'd have to have a special vision to go about 60 miles and have a revival? It amazes me. I don't know how in the world that we can all be that blind. How did we get off on some of the things that we got off on? Is it possible for us to major in minors until we become a minor? Or need we major in majors and refuse to be a minor? Let me say again, it is God's will to save every praying Cornelius on the North American continent. How many people may be praying behind traditional walls tonight that would love to know more about God. They know enough to pray, but they don't know enough to be approved and justified by faith. And they pray, and they wallow in their fasting, and they seek God, and they read, and they meditate. And 60 miles south of there, there was a church with thousands of believers, but with no event angelical outreach for those people because they were outside of their tradition so when he explained to his servants they left and went immediately to Joppa no Holy Spirit no baptism no truth one vision got him going and the fellow that had the Holy Spirit took three visions to get him going and when he got to the front gate the Holy Spirit had to say again don't doubt anything I have sent you ABC Go with them and don't doubt. Does God need to get us on a housetop and give us three visions to get us down off of the housetop into the street and just travel around just a little ways from our confines to see where there might be a Cornelius praying to God always that wants to know more about the truth? notice when he arrived in Caesarea and as he talked with him he went in don't cut this thing down too low give me some juice out here <laughs> and as he talked with him he went in and found many that were come together set up everything there they had everything but the preacher and he said to them now I want you to listen to this and he said unto them you know that it is unlawful thing for a man who is a Jew to keep company or to come to another nation but God has shown me that I should not call any man common unclean. Why didn't he shut his mouth about that? That wasn't what the man needed to know. He already knew that. He was, a, he was a victim of that. You talk about a racial problem. We've never had one in this country like the Jew and the Gentile. And yet the first thing the little old fella says when he gets down there, he starts on the race question. That's not what people need to hear. We've had enough of that. We've had enough of that. We're salivated on that. What we, the love of God, is not colorblind. This salvation is for every son of Adam. Everybody needs to hear it. Everybody needs to know it. Everybody needs to receive it. And it doesn't have anything to do thing with do with creed or color or race or tradition. No Holy Spirit fell with that sob story. Oh no, no Holy Spirit fell. There wasn't no tongue-talking going on when you preach like that. He didn't baptize anybody in the Mediterranean, that, 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 little testimony. Oh, Jesus. When Peter finally arrived, that was his little testimony. I suppose that was the prelude. But before the man could say anything, the man was so awe-stricken. He was so deeply grateful he fell at the man's feet when he walked in his house and he said stand up i myself am just a man like you are oh god i can't help but believe that behind the traditional walls and all of the incarcerated rituals that whole people in religious bondage tonight that the God that I know would like to go in behind those walls and break them down and tear them down and send an old-fashioned tongue-talking Jesus name Holy Spirit filled revival are some of the interferences of tradition it is unlawful for a jew to keep company with another nation i received a revelation from god though and uh, that i'm not to call anybody unclean i have come at the bidding of the holy spirit Cornelius had been fasting four days and praying Cornelius said, We are all present before God to hear all the things that are commanded thee of God, who shall tell thee words by which thou and all thy house shall be saved. Any time that we say that we have the truth, we have indicted ourselves to the fullest capacity That just simply means that we had better improvise some evangelical trust and outreach to try to save this world. Because Jesus died to save the world and the message is international. It is global. Let's look on the inside. And when he began to preach about Christ and his crucifixion, the Bible said the Holy Spirit fell on them as on us at the beginning. He remembered then, God bless his amnesia heart, what John the Baptist said. It's a shame that we forget so easily. Peter was a convert of John the Baptist and John said that uh, uh, God would indeed he said I baptize with water but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit and then he remembered what John preached and then I'm sure he thought about what he said it's to you and to your children and those that are far off even as many as the Lord our God shall call have we any right to refuse to testify to anyone regardless of what they believe? Right. Right. Then when he said this, he says, What was I that I could withstand God? Now he's given this report. This is his carpet report. Peter was thoroughly convinced the Lord and his mercy was going to be the same to others as it had his own nation. Have we decided that? Now let's notice. In the 11th chapter that I read to you, let me say... Uh, just uh, a little bit about that a tremendous persecution arose after the stoning of Stephens some went to Phoenicia as Jezebel's country Cyprus Barnabas Antioch and Syria when the converted Jews let me repeat Arrived in Antioch, Syria, they witnessed to Jews only. Will we let tradition confine us to one race? And in that same city, the Cypriots and some of the Greeks from the island of Cyprus, when they came over, they preached to everybody. And as a result, in the same town, when they got out from behind, that tradition and opened up their heart like God wanted them to. There was a sweeping revival. And it was of such proportion until the church in Jerusalem heard about it. And sent men up there to make a personal investigation. Oh God, I would that the Lord would help us Some way to have such a revival on the north american continent that others around the world would come to see what we may be doing i cannot believe all the wealth that god has given the united pentecostal church that we are to saturate ourselves in luxuries and in all of the fine material aspects of life and i'm not preaching that you go hungry but it wouldn't hurt some of us if we did i cannot believe that the wealth that's among the united pentecostal church is for us to spend it for sporting goods for long time worldwide vacations all of the other things I believe that God would like to take this truth that he has poured into our heathen vessel and share it with the nations of the world that's his will that's what he wants and that's what he needs to happen with us but as long as we sit satisfied with where we are right now, we'll never move. We've got to become so discontented with the operation and the energizings of the Holy Spirit until we will fast and pray until we break out of this rut. And God will take those who voluntarily give themselves and work his will in this last day move of God on this earth before it's baptized with a holocaust. See, they went everywhere preaching. Jew or Gentile, Samaritan or whatnot. ABC or XYZ just so he was a human and he was living and breathing that's exactly the way we've got to look at it when I thought about moving out of the part of the city that we're in I was praying and fasting and seeking the Lord about it and guess what he spoke to me and you believe I felt simple and silly and very very unnecessary he said what is the difference in the people where you would move to than these that you're moving from well sure uh, I could move out of there and build from the ground up and I need about 10 or 15 acres but those people in that neighborhood in inner city They need God. Isn't it strange how we segregate people in our mind? I say, oh, well, here, I want to know thing about this. Just look who's talking. It's God's will. Let me say again. It is God's will to take this body, I believe. evangelize this world but we've got to beat what we have done and we've got to beat what we're doing if it ever happens now notice when these men from the Jerusalem church came up there I'm contending that you can see this kind of grace. When they had seen the grace of God, they rejoiced and said, God has poured out on the Gentiles the same identical blessing as he did us at the beginning then repentance have been granted to the gentiles Barnabas was a righteous man full of the holy spirit and full of faith If you ever wanna send a committee to investigate a revival, there's the credentials and that's the kind of people you have to send. When he saw the work of God in its glory, he immediately thought of Saul. You see, if very much of the blessing of God ever rests upon us, we will think of our brother. When the blessing of God began to work, many things came together, such as Saul, who was brought from Antioch and preached to this group of believers for one year. This great teacher, an apostle, made his debut. But because of the attitude of the Jerusalem church, The greatest writer in all of the New Testament church was never received by the Jerusalem church, though he almost lost his life. And he said, I would be willing if I could just have the chance to share with those my nation. I'd give my life. We can take our little prejudices, and our little inhibitions, and all of the little fashions, and miss some of the greatest people in all of the world. He never was able to preach to that Jerusalem church. The greatest apostle to the Gentiles was never received, because they never could climb out of that traditional rule and the evangelism of Jerusalem was transitioned and moved north of there into Antioch Syria and that became the evangelical capital of the world don't tell me that God won't move on what he predicted that his church will do in the last day it will do if we have to be bypassed he will bypass us he bypassed the Jerusalem church you say well there were some believers there yes but he wanted to take that city and light the gospel truth to every nation under the sun but they never could submit to this newfound light with the sufficiency that it needed so that they could rise to the challenge and the ascendancy of this blessing always a lofty position Ascendancy always clothes us in great responsibility. The responsibility must be as awesome as the blessing or we are in great trouble. Yes. Yes. We dare not bask in the blessing of God and refuse the responsibility that goes in our becoming a mobile unit to transport, communicate, share, witness, reflect, and let the light of the truth be given to my brother. Would we like to hold to our orthodoxy at the expense of losing the blessing of God? He means for us to carry out His will. And we are capable of doing that. We're capable of loving each other. We're capable of honoring each other. We're capable of forgiving each other. We're capable, capable of cooperating. We're capable of a cooperative effort. There's enough latitude with, within the human confines for us to work together as a mighty, moving, mobile unit filled with the Holy Spirit to such extent that people and tradition, and schisms, and any kind of a religious communication breakdown, there could be such a power exerted, there could be such a move of the Holy Spirit, until every barricade, every impasse, we, if we can get enough of the love of God in our hearts and in our lives, there's no God that we can't breach and there's no span that we cannot build a bridge over all things is possible to him that believeth i dare us tonight to believe the promise of god and say as a body of believers i will do god's will at whatever cost he so thinks i need to pay There's no way for me to say, let me repeat, how much God loves us. You talk about an undefinable, immeasurable principle. There are oceans of his love. There are rivers of it. There are continents of it. There are galaxies of it. There is so much of it available until it has the power to conquer all sin. There's no sin in my life that loving God will not heal. We can have the doctrine and not have the spirit of the doctrine and be a religious paralytic. The spirit of the doctrine is love. And so may God help us. Oh, I thank Him tonight for His mercy. I thank Him for His grace. Who am I? How did I ever get among this group? Why did I ever hear it? How did I hear it? Who prayed for me? Who preached to me? Who came to see about me? I am the son of a drunkard. But somebody loves me to the point that they preached the gospel unto me. And there are people outside of our confines if we won't be so religiously bound and we won't be afraid to open our arms and pray and believe God. There is no telling what God will do and I'm praying that God will help us to know how. To present ourselves to him. And then present ourselves to the world that's lost that he died to save. He that when his souls is wise, we must be filled with enough wisdom that we can catch whoever he calls and be enough of an Andrew to bring them to Jesus. thank you and God bless you let us stand